Welcome to the Marketing Technology Podcast. News, tools, and tips from marketing technology companies and the marketers using them. Here's Douglas Carr. Welcome to another of our interview series on the Marketing Tech Blog. Uh, we have with us today, uh, well, we have Jen Lisak, who is our content in charge of all of our client content strategies at uh, DK New Media. Welcome, Jen. Hello. <laughs> and we have on the line with us, uh, we have Liz Miller, Senior Vice President of Marketing from the CMO Council. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and and I, this is really exciting, and we were talking before the show. Uh, Liz, I'm really just so happy that you took the time out with us. Um, I think uh, I, I absolutely want you guys, I want Marketing Tech Blog and CMO Council to be uh, just joined at the hip on sharing all of the incredible information that you guys are revealing. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. And, and Liz, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read your LinkedIn. Uh, so uh, Liz's <laughs> summary on LinkedIn. Uh, Liz is a marketing strategist, thought leadership, innovator, and tactical leader of company-wide initiatives uh, that build brand value and result in sustainable, profitable growth. Uh, driver and champion of transform, uh, transformational programs, able to gain executive sponsorship, Build internal support at all levels and deliver exceptional results. Uh, an expert in aligning strategy with organizational vision and goals and interpreting the voice of the customer through enhanced customer insight. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I was going to say, who is this person that you're talking about? Because I, <laughs> I'm like, wow, she sounds kind of great. What, but wait, what are you going to read my bio? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a great copywriter. How's that? I love it. I love it. I want to find that person. <laughs> Let's hire him. <laughs> and, and today's talk, this is kind of a, a little bit of a shift for us. Uh, but I, but I, I, I was really, uh, when I saw the pitch come through uh, to talk to Liz, uh, I immediately asked for an interview because I think this is so very important. Uh, the CMO Council, in coordination with Geoscape, uh, did an incredible, uh, concise, white paper on activating, it's called Activating the New American Mainstream. And it's talking about defining, reaching, and engaging the multi multicultural market, uh, which is something that I don't think we've ever talked about on the Marketing Tech Blog. And not surprisingly, the data shows that that's pretty much the rest of the industry, too. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think you hit that right on the head there. I think that a lot of us um, I think a lot of us have talked about multicultural campaigns. Like, if we're really being honest with ourselves as marketers, we've probably all, at some point in our careers, talked about some type of advertising campaign that we wanted to push out that spoke directly to a specific ethnicity or a culture. Um, and the way that we've done that historically, and, you know, again, this might sound really harsh, but it's tough love here, um, is, you know, we've taken our standard advertising campaign that we have about our product, tool, solution, service, and we have um, either replaced all the images to be more ethnically sensitive or friendly, or we've translated it into another language, we've pushed that out through our digital channels, and we've all patted ourselves on the back and said, yes! multicultural campaign. Um, and sadly, in this age of customer data and customer relevance and really the customer working through digital channels to define and craft their own customer experiences that really echo their own wants, needs, desires, and behaviors, 
uh, we're falling short. And I think that what this study really showed was that we get it. You know, I think as marketers, we understand that we're missing an opportunity here. But the reality that we have to face day in and day out is that we've got this mountain of priorities, ironically, that start most often with marketing technology, right? We are so busy taming this beast, this stack that we've built for ourselves, that when we look at our list of priorities, far too often something that really focuses on multicultural um, consumer engagement does fall towards the bottom of that list. And, and some of the stats, I just want to share those. And then, uh, and then Jen, we'll go to you for a question. Um, does your company currently have a multicultural marketing initiative in place? Uh, 51% of companies said yes, 49% uh, said no. And, and even a, a, a worse split of that is, is when you talk about B2B marketers versus hybrid organizations. 80% of B2B marketers do not have any multicultural marketing initiative in place at all. Uh, and 67% of hybrid organizations, B2B and B2C, do have a, a, a multicultural. But 80% of B2B, that's a huge market, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. It's massive. And I think that the, the, you know, being a B2B marketer myself, I get where that comes from because I think that there is the assumption that the primary segment that we are looking at is still a business marketplace that we feel that we know and truly understand. But I think that the trend that we are seeing, and I, and I do think that we do have technology to thank and, and possibly to blame for this, is that um, more and more the B2B buyer specifier is making active decisions on where, how, and when to engage, research, learn about, um, talk about their experiences with our brands, our services, and our products in a way that mirrors the behavior of how consumer markets are engaging with, are researching, are searching for those types of solutions. So if you have someone who is looking to buy a multi-million dollar CapEx size technology buy, um, and they are, yes, working here in the United States of America, but they are a native Latin speaker. They are perhaps from Mexico City. Let's use that as an example. Um, and if you are not looking at what cultural behaviors, what um, engagements, what language preference, you know, what types of points of impact and engagement could be influencing that specific buyer, you really aren't getting that full picture of your customer now, are you? You're really just looking at what you are assuming influences an individual buyer specifier. So I understand why B2B marketers haven't necessarily put that foot into the water for a multicultural engagement. It makes sense. However, it's going to very quickly become in a day and age where we have to take culture and we have to take ethnic behavior and, and cultural biases um, into that overarching picture of personalization and into that overarching picture of the customer and not segment it into this kind of weird little silo we call a multicultural campaign. So you touched exactly on uh, what I was going to ask you about. I think marketers traditionally get into um, – basically, they're trying to promote the way they think they want to be promoted to, and I, I'm not sure what the demographics are in terms of B2B marketers, um, but – Anyway, my my big question for you is, do you think um, as marketing evolves that um, they will 
create language that you universally will be able to appeal to different cultures and multicultural campaigns? Or do you think marketers will continue, will have to kind of segment campaigns to appeal specifically to those different cultures? I I think we're going to have to, I think we're going to end up seeing both, to be honest with you, Jen. And I think that's a great question. I think that um, we have been evolving the way in which we communicate across all cultures, quite frankly, across all demographics and all segments, where we used to take one piece of content and kind of shove it out, uh, assuming that that single piece of content could be the same regardless of audience, but also regardless of channel. And I think that we have begun to evolve our sophistication in that. We understand that people don't just want a PDF white paper anymore, right? You have some buyer specifiers who really want to engage via podcast. Perfect example, right? So you've got some people who want to engage on a graphic. They want a picture. They want an infographic. You've got some people that still really want to print out however long your document is and read it with a pen and highlight it, you know, and I'm talking about old people like me, um, where we still want that tactile, you know, experience. But, you know, you, 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 you also have people who just want to read it in a chart, right? I want the bullet well, points and I want to be out. So I think that we're seeing with the differences in buying and communications engagement with that difference in that word relevance, right? It's not just delivering the content that's relevant, but the format and the channel that's relevant as well. I think that as we begin to kind of upstep our sophistication and how we develop those campaigns, absolutely ethnicity and cultural bias will absolutely come into play into that data set that we have to look at to define what it is that we're developing, you know, what is that content, what channel is it being distributed through, and how is it being received by that audience? we very well may learn that the content isn't the challenge. Maybe it's the time of day, right? It's not necessarily the, you know, the picture that shows um, ethnically similar faces. It could be that some cultures are actually looking for more solutions that speak to efficiency and being able to get people home on time to go spend time with their families, right? That messaging may work better than just saying we want to make you more money. So I think it's about informing relevance rather than creating a different creative front to what we're talking about. Yes. And again, you touched on something else I was going to mention. I personally, I think cult, multicultural, you know, people can see through if you're putting, you know, pictures of Asian babies on a website, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yep, totally. Like, and the same thing with how, how we phrase certain things, we have to, like you said, it's about developing solutions that are going to appeal as opposed to just changing language and pictures. Absolutely right. I mean, I, I think that the, the, the example that I always point to that kind of gets people thinking about it a lot of times, and I think it's easy to see how you might change, say, language or understanding that the exclamation point goes upside down when you know, like it's, it's kind of when you're in that communications campaign mindset, you can say, oh, this is how I need to communicate to a Hispanic audience. This is how I need to communicate to an Asian audience. But time of day might be what is impacting your campaign or your communications. Why would you send a predominantly Muslim audience emails during Ramadan at one o'clock in the afternoon. 
Are you a marketing technology company looking to increase your market share? Contact Doug and his team at DK New Media for information on their public relations, search engine marketing, and content strategies, including a dedicated show on this podcast. Email info at dknewmedia.com. Right. When they are simply, quite frankly, being observant, they this is a religious, uh, you know, a religious celebration and holy holiday. They are not communicating. They are not engaging with those electronic mediums. They are not working during that time period. It's understanding those nuances and making again timing, content, all of that relevant. And, and the reality is, is that we have the tools and technologies to be able to help us automate and manage it. It's not like someone's still sitting there at midnight pushing the button for send, right? So, you know, I think that it's about really using that multicultural lens and using the rich data and information that is out there that is demonstrating what these buying patterns, what these insights and analytics are, and integrating that into our view of the customer so that we have a single version of customer truth so that the entire organization can look at Jane Smith and say, this is what I know about her, ergo this is how we're going to communicate with her. And that's absolutely going to include, is there cultural, behavioral biases that are influencing the way Jane Smith engages with our brand? Looks like you already visited at home this spring. The patio looks great, but why the makeover? Because we're hosting the block party, because Sunday dinner's moved outdoors, because, oh, Hunter's graduation and Emily's baby shower, and because sometimes I can just sit back and enjoy it. Explore At Home's expanded selection of patio decor, like cushions starting at $9.99 and garden themes from modern to coastal. At Home, the home decor superstore. Any style, any budget, any reason to redecorate. Visit one of our three Austin-area At Home superstores today. Uh, and and I, I want to... Uh point back to the study and we will uh, obviously put a link up uh, for people and, and, and talk about how to find it at the end of this. But it, it was interesting on that very note, Liz, some of the findings in this were the companies that did that did say that they had a multicultural marketing approach, 54% of them did exactly what Jen was talking about, where they integrated all of it into a pooled resource. And yep. 17%, um, they had one multicultural marketing initiative uh, that combined all minorities. <laughs> and then right. only 9% actually separated the marketing initiatives uh, for Hispanic, Asian American, and African American with, with separate resources and staff for each. Uh, and then 7% uh, targeted Hispanic. So you think about that and you think even even of the half that say that they already are um, doing these multicultural marketing you know, initiatives, there's really only about 15% of those. So, you know, that's yeah. like 7% total, uh, if my math is right, but, but that are actually speaking directly to the community with dedicated resources, dedicated research, and dedicated staffs that can you know, uh, accurately and, and effectively communicate. That's, that's, yeah. pretty, that's pretty frightening given the, the population changes. And given the, the financial changes. You know, I think that um, it's one thing to look at just by the numbers of sheer population. It's another thing to look. I mean, Geoscape has some incredible data around the growth of the buying influence and the buying power um, of, say, the Hispanic marketplace, where you're now looking at, 
you know, a single market group that certainly is not representative of a majority in the United States, yet represents the majority of economic growth within numerous sectors. So I think it's, it's about, you know, what you've hit on, and I think it's such an important point, is it's not even just that only that 7% are looking at individual ethnic groups as actually independent ethnic groups and individual drivers. The way I saw that was, oh, my God, only 7% are actually personalizing communications. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And that's what it boils down to, is that that small sliver there are truly personalizing. Because a lot of people can say that they've deployed personalization technology, but if we're really being brutally honest, how much of that is personalization beyond putting their first name on an email and switching out the email banner to be a more ethnically friendly face? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mind blowing, and and there is a you know we're we're of course the marketing technologies uh, you know blog, but there there has to be a discussion as well of the mediums and and how these groups are communicating as well because it absolutely differs uh, from yeah. you know the the average population you know habits right. Absolutely, you know you're you're dealing certainly when you're when you're looking at. Um, certainly Asian American or, you know, audiences, when you're looking at Hispanic American audiences, you're talking a very mobile consumer. Um, and oftentimes it's prepaid. You know, you can look at the data and you're seeing that a lot of, a lot of consumers are looking at prepaid accounts. You're not necessarily looking at postpaid accounts. Uh, you're looking at people who are very used to culturally consuming content via mobile channels. So, uh, you know, I, I would, being someone who is uh, half Korean, I can tell you right now, my entire family watches Korean dramas on their mobile phones. They've got the big phablet. They're sitting there at their lunchtime watching the most recent drama. They are consuming a ton of content on that darn phone, you know. So it's, it is something that um, we tend to look at and say, okay, great, that means I should push more advertising at that time when they're watching that content. And that's not necessarily true, right? Because they're watching that because they want, you know, a commercial free experience. They want it to be easy and quick to download. They don't want to deal with buffering. They will engage with the brand that they love, but they're only going to engage it in certain places. So again, I think that these types of cultural nuances can really help form very smart decision-making across marketing to be able to understand not only new markets that you can have available to you, but when, where, and how should you be reaching these markets? Should you be maybe over-investing in mobile, right? Should you be under-investing in, you know, sending more emails out if they're not opening emails through mobile devices? So I think, it's a, I think that multicultural marketing and this new mainstream consumer understanding that we have to work with and speak to each person very differently really puts us into a position where we have to ask something very different of our data. We have to ask new questions and we need the tools and technology that can allow us to see those different views based on who within the marketing organization needs to see that view of the customer. Infographics and white papers continue to lead search and content strategies throughout the web. DK New Media researches, designs, and promotes the best informational graphic and most well-produced white papers in the industry. Contact Doug and his team at DK New Media for additional information. Email info at dknewmedia.com. Well, and I think the...
other interesting uh, factor that I'm not sure if the report touches on this, but uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but actually Hispanic and Asian families are typically have multi-generational homes. So yeah. grandma, parents, and kids are all living in one home. And yep. the thing that I think of, like, let's say grandma uses a brand of toothpaste. I mean, a toothpaste, it's going to be passed down for generations. And right. that could, so if you connect with those markets, the potential for having a long-term customer base is probably far more likely than, you know, the white suburban household in, uh, well, Carmel, Indiana is. is right, our, right. <laughs> but, but you, <laughs> no, you you're, you're absolutely mean. right. You know, and I think that, I think that you can even take it a step farther and even say that, um, because of a multi-generational family, you can also be making some horribly wrong assumptions about oh, yeah. the search data and about just the insights that you might get from web browsing because a multi-generational household is likely not necessarily handing out computers to everybody at the door, right? So nope. you are now dealing with search patterns and behaviors that are going to change drastically from early afternoon to when the kids come home to when mom and dad are home from work to late at night, you know. So one IP, one look at that search data is going to bring you a very wild picture of what this household may be looking at. And, you know, there are going to be, though, cultural biases that are still going to remain true. There is very much that rooting in family. Um, you know, there is that idea that you are looking to help family, support family. Um, you know, an organization that I think has really learned a lot and has really demonstrated how much they've learned a around cultural issues is MoneyGram. Uh, you know, this is a brand that looks to enable families sending money back home, right? How do they make that faster? How do they make that easier? How do they make both sides of that customer experience relevant for the family who's sending the money and the family member who's receiving the money. Um, you know, does this need to be in Spanish? Does it need to be in English? Does it need to be in, you know, Chinese, Korean? They understand that that family tie and that, fa that cultural leaning towards, you know, assisting and sending money back home. And they understand that. They, they get what's required there and they get that both sides of that equation are going to have biases. They get that both sides of that equation are also going to need content that helps them be a more loyal and invested customer. So uh, I want to go over some stats, and, and uh, I was quiet there for a second because I was actually um, reading through some of these, and, and they're, they're pretty fascinating stats. So, and these are things that people, I, I, I just don't think unless you go to like Geoscape and you start doing this research, and, and that'll be my lead-in question uh, for you, Liz, is people really don't realize it. So Hispanic households, for instance, spend 17% more month-to-month -month on uh, mobile <laughs> on mobile services. I mean, 17% yeah. more. Um, yeah. Hispanic household spending on college tuition has doubled in the last decade, uh, and the number of bachelor degrees has more than tripled. Um, yeah. The number of Hispanic owned businesses has doubled, growing from 1.6 million in 2002 to 3.2 million in 2013. 
I, I mean, that's, these are, these are... It's massive growth. It is, ma- and, and that's what, you know, I want people to understand is it's, a, it's not necessarily that we're talking about, hey, half the market is this, it's that. It's not that, it's that while one kind of portion of the market has, re- you know, been stagnant over these, um, the economic challenges the last decade, this is one sector of, you know, every community in the United States, basically, um, that has doubled in growth uh, and not just, you know, not just size, but revenue, number of businesses, uh, education, uh, technology usage. I mean, this is incredible. Yeah. And And one thing in the Geoscape data that I thought was so interesting was that, you know, for Hispanic households, Hispanics represent... Um, really just 18% of the American population in the American household right now. Okay, 18%. Yet that 18% is responsible for all that growth you just mentioned. Right, right. And so here's my lead-in question to you. So let's say I'm, I'm either a B2B or I'm a B2C uh, company. Uh, B2C, we, we absolutely see that sense of urgency um, B2B, I think there's still the urgency there, but it's, it's a, it's a di- different path that needs taken. Um, how does a company start even thinking or strategizing about how to take its marketing you know, um, strategy and start to go down this road? I mean, is this something that they, they absolutely have to bring in you know, partner agencies that, that focus in these areas? Uh, you know, how how do we, how do you even swallow this beast? Yeah, I I think that's a great question. I, I don't think it's going to be one thing or the other. I think it's going to be a combination of strategies and a combination of mindsets that you've really got to be willing to embrace within the organization. I think first and foremost, um, one of the things that stood out in this study for me was the lack of support that marketers felt they had from their CEO or from their board in really advancing this multicultural strategy and this multicultural momentum. And I think that the reason why we see such stagnance there is because we've yet to prove from a revenue language um, why these campaigns and why these strategies are so critical for the organization and so critical for the business. I think that when you look at the segment within this data that we talk to that have looked at that individualized, personalized approach for multicultural. They really have been advancing um, their strategies. You can kind of tie that correlation and really look into a couple things. They see that um, these, you know, the organization views this multicultural engagement as mission critical for their brand. It's highly embraced by their CEO and their board. They have that level of support. Um, while we didn't ask this directly, I could probably infer just from what we know about what drives the CEO to say yes, is that the reason why this is so mission critical and the reason why they're supporting this is because it directly ties to revenue, right? It directly ties to growth. So I think that one of the first things we as marketers need to do is first off kind of abandon this concept that multicultural um, mindset, multicultural behavioral data, that insight about our customer is a multicultural campaign, We need to integrate that into our view and our picture of the customer. We need to look at data resources. We need to look at insights and intelligence that are actually enhancing our customer profiles so that we do know what points of relevance we are potentially missing when it comes to how we connect and how we engage. Um, The second thing I, I think that we also need to be doing is certainly looking at 
Um, what is it that we are communicating? How is it we are choosing to engage? Um, but also, are we looking at what that customer wants to buy, right? It's not just about what we want to push out the door and the communications we want to push out the door. It's what about these learnings? What about these culturally significant learnings that we're bringing into that customer profile? Can we then turn and share with the rest of the organization? So the point that you brought up in regard to um, the, the level of money that's being spent on college education, we need to start looking that in, you know, this level of college education, the money that's being spent and college degrees, um, you know, this also can infer that we've got a flood of young, creative, educated Hispanic youth that are going to be hitting that millennial job market any minute now and are going to be searching and engaging and looking for opportunities in very new and different ways. Right, they are going to have that culturally, um, you know, sensitive mindset. They are going to be looking to um, reach and engage with brands that are relevant to them and can speak in a relevant manner to them. So, you know, I think it's really about taking that step back, asking ourselves different questions about what it is that we produce and provide, and what it is that we are communicating that makes both things highly relevant regardless of who we're speaking to. Do we have something that really speaks and directs to a marketplace, uh, whether we're B2B or B2C, that takes all of those things into account so that we know that we're talking to that person? We're not just talking to kind of an amalgam or an assumption of the type of person we think we might be talking to. Looks like you already visited at home this spring. The patio looks great, but why the makeover? Because we're hosting the block party, because Sunday dinner's moved outdoors, because, oh, Hunter's graduation and Emily's baby shower, and because sometimes I can just sit back and enjoy it. Explore At Home's expanded selection of patio decor, like cushions starting at $9.99 and garden themes from modern to coastal. At Home, the home decor superstore. Any style, any budget, any reason to redecorate. Visit one of our three Austin-area At Home superstores today. And so, so a first step for any company might be simply to go take their customer database and get some demographic enhancements and show the CEO how much of a percentage is already in that realm, right? Yeah. And, and I think that it also, you've also got to take, you know, you've got to be able to show what that impact's going to be to your business. And you also need to be able to test and develop campaigns that as you can go and test those, as you can look at behavioral data about these markets and shift and tweak, you know, what that customer experience is going to be like to be more relevant, how is that impacting the bottom line? Yeah. Oh, wow. We got a, we got a long road ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. And you know what? It is going to keep evolving. But, you know, here's, here's the bottom line. Um, we used to live in a day and age of marketing where we could set the tempo of evolution. We could kind of set the stage and any time we'd make a leap forward, whether it was with data or whether it was technology, we could kind of be the ones that felt like we were in the driver's seat. So, you know, when web came around, we could kind of say, look what we've done. We've created this really cool experience for you. And yay, you know, we got to be the ones that kind of felt like we were unveiling <laughs> things to the world. Uh, that day is long gone. <laughs> Well, like, like you said, that, you know, I mean, it's presenting itself to us. You know, these people are now entering the workforce. Now they're getting their degrees. Um, yep. They have larger families uh, on average. 
Um, Absolutely. And so, so they're going to have a greater consumer buying power. They're going to have more children in the household. They're going to be buyer buying bigger homes, bigger cars, more yep. stuff. <laughs> you know, right? And, and they are driving their own customer experience. Exactly. Right. Because not only are these young people Hispanic American, Asian American, African American, but they are also digital natives. These are no. This is the no core generation where they understand that they are the ones that hold the digital power, yeah. right? They are the ones that are starting and stopping their customer experiences where and how they want to. So they're the ones saying, hey, I'm going to start searching for you on my mobile device, and then I'm going to go and talk about you on a social network, and then I'm going to go do this. They're in control of it. We're not in a day and age anymore where we could – send an email and we could kind of luxuriously sit around and think that we started a customer experience. This doesn't exist anymore. Right. Well, uh, yeah. for people that want more information on this, uh, if you go to cmocouncil.org uh, and down the left-hand side, you'll see that they have a program section. In the all current programs, you will find activating the new American mainstream uh, and you can download this incredible uh, white paper, and I, I would absolutely recommend that you do that. As, as well, CMO Council, sign up for their newsletter. Um, you, they have a, a great news app as well that you can get on Google or, or, or uh, in the Apple Store um, to get up-to-the-date stuff. And, and you guys are worldwide as well, right? We are, gosh, I, we're, we, we kind of feel multicultural half the time, but yeah. uh, yes, we are. So we've got seven regions around the world. We're just about to top that 9,000, I think 700 mark in members. Ah, I can't believe it. Wow. But uh, lots and lots of content and uh, lots and lots of things to read. And I think we're, we're partners in crime and being able to bring uh, content and thought leadership out to these marketers, certainly around marketing technology, which I appreciate you guys are really leading the charge on. Yeah, well, and this was an eye-opener to us as well. I think, um, you know, we've worked with a couple of international companies and, and dealt with, you know, the challenges from a technology standpoint of, you know, internationalization and multi-language. Yeah. And, and, and uh, from a technology standpoint, that, that is no small feat for any company. And so I, I think we're going to do a lot more down those roads as well. And, and we have to do it right in our own backyard, right? I mean, right... You know, we, we talk about spreading to other countries and, and, and uh, overcoming those challenges. But the, the problem that is that those, those challenges are right here at home, you know, per, per, yeah. per yeah, these, you, you know, studies. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it's, sometimes it's not easy to, you know, spread across your own state let alone outside your own country. So there's, there's lots of nuances and, and lots of, you know, lots of nuances, but gosh, lots of opportunity. And I think that's the coolest thing for marketers right now is that, you know, I think, and, and probably your listeners and you guys feel the same way. It kind of feels like this infinite space of opportunity right now. And it's just a matter of, can we ask our data new questions? Can we interrogate things differently so that we can come up with that that kind of highly relevant new experiences that our customers already have in their mind is expecting. Well, thank you. Uh, I, oh, yes. geez. And you, you, you are, you must be a hard person to slow down. <laughs> yeah. It's all smoke and mirrors, my friends, all smoke and mirrors, smoke mirrors and caffeine. <laughs> Well, I, I cannot thank you enough, Liz, for taking the time on this. 
And like I said, we will follow this up with, uh, once we get the the podcast up on the blog, we will put a ton of information there where you can download this. Um, Liz, where can people, you know, follow you and, and, uh, and listen to you online? Um, well, I'm on Twitter, so it's uh, at Liz K. Miller uh, on Twitter. Also, uh, you know, certainly through the CMO Council, absolutely happy to connect with anyone. Uh, all of our information, we're pretty transparent, so all of our connection information is right there on the CMO Council website. So we'd love to, love to hear from people and happy to connect anytime. And, and the, you know, just in a, in a quickie, the benefits of membership with the CMO Council? Yeah, so membership is open to corporate side marketers, uh, senior marketing decision makers. Uh, membership is free. We believe in social currency. So uh, for members who qualify, uh, all we ask for in exchange is your insights so that we can create reports and, and studies like this that are based off of uh, what we refer to as our peer-powered network. So that's, uh, that's the type of social exchange we look for, and we're really thrilled that we've got uh, you know, nearly 10,000 members that are happy to uh, share their insights and experiences with us. So uh, membership, the, all the criteria is right there on the website, so cmocouncil.org. Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, we're happy, we're happy to get participation and love to see if, uh, you know, your folks qualify. It'd be great to, great to hear from you. But our content's accessible to anyone. So even if you don't qualify for CMO Council membership, you can gain access to our executive summaries and our white papers and, and certainly our Twitter feeds anytime you'd like. So we'd love to hear from you. Perfect. Thank you That's so awesome. much. Jen, any final thoughts? No, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Liz. Absolutely. Anytime. I was thrilled to be here with you guys. Thank you, Liz. Subscribe online at marketingtechblog.com. Subscribe to our email, download our app, or follow us on social media.